Well, hello, and thanks for listening in to our weekly teaching podcast here at City Church. We are a church in the Knoxville area that seeks to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you're in Knoxville or ever visiting Knoxville, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people here in the city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can drop us a line at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, everybody. I love it when people respond. Normally, it's just silence. It's great. Uh, Well, my name is Eric. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, I am a pastor in training here at City Church. So if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to do that today. Um, Sometime after this or next week, if you don't don't see me, um, I would love to do that, get get a chance to meet you. But if you're just coming around City Church, if this is your first week or you've just recently started coming, we are in the middle of a series uh, called Church is a Family. So we've gone through several different things. We spent several weeks breaking down what exactly a family is according to Scripture and how Jesus makes us family together and, and some of the implications that come out of that, out of us being family so I think it's, it's been an awesome series for me personally because even though I sometimes feel like a lot of it is information that I might already know or I kind of have a, a head-level understanding of and I, I'm aware of all of this stuff, it, it's incredibly helpful for me to hear it from different perspectives and, and from different angles. And I think it's, it's a beautiful way for me personally to be reminded of the gospel. Uh, so last week, Kent had the ever so lighthearted topic of uh, conflict and fighting. It was great. I appreciate him not giving me that one. Uh, but I think he gave us some really helpful tools in that of what it looks like to fight well as a family in light of the gospel. And, and hopefully it was something practical for, for some of you and something that was, that was helpful for, for many of us. Um, so today, we're going to be taking a little bit of a turn from, from some of that, um, and I, I think we're going we're gonna to be talking about, well, I don't think we are going to be talking about something, we'll see what happens, uh, that, that I feel like doesn't get uh, a whole lot of attention or gets overlooked a lot of the time. Uh, so, so from my perspective, today's topic is something that we talk about a lot, uh, but most of us probably don't do a lot. Um, So today we are diving into the idea of how a family prays for each other. Um, So in light of that, I would love to open us up with prayer real quick before we dive into this. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the gift of your son, uh, the, the way that you have made a way for us to be family together and a part of your family. I pray that uh, people have ears to hear what it is you have to say to them today, and that that would be uh, the only thing that people hear. Um, yeah, and that, that we would be able to grow in our understanding of you and grow closer to you and to each other because of what it is you would have to say. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So, in the New Testament, there are over 50 different instances of instructional commands that would include the phrase, one another. Right? Some of these include encourage one another, or bear one another's burdens, or serve one another or love one another, right? These, these instructional commands with that very occasional outlier of greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, and so with the exception of that one, uh, unless I'm just not around when it's happening, I think we do a pretty good job 
of all of these commands, right? I think, I think we do well with a lot of these one another commands. It's something that we understand and something that we apply. Uh, but I think uh, the, this command that we're talking about today, praying for one another, is probably something that a lot of us, myself included, a lot of the time, would say that we could stand to grow in. So for some of us, uh, it, it could be that we say we, just, we struggle with prayer in general, right? It's, it's just not something we naturally do. Or, or maybe we, we do pretty well with praying, right, just, just in general. But the idea of praying specifically for other people in our church family just might not be something we instinctively think about all that much. So when you, when you really start looking closely at it, I think... Um, I really think the command to pray for one another is, is a lot more involved and, and a lot more vital than, than a lot of people tend to think it is. Now, listen, I, I, I want to make sure you hear I am not saying that this is not happening at all. That is, that is not true. I can name several very specific manifestations of this happening every day or every week in our church family, consistently happening and I, I love it. I love seeing it. I love hearing about it. I think that's great. But I do want to spend just a little bit of time today unpacking what I think are, are four main ways that Scripture tells us we should be praying for one another, and then try to get uh, a little more specific on some ways that we can practically dive into those things in our day-to-day lives and grow in it as a family. Uh, so does that sound doable to you guys? Pretty straightforward. All right, let's jump right in. So the, uh, what I'll call Christianese phrase for praying for someone else is this idea of intercessory prayer. So intercession is simply defined as the action of intervening on behalf of another. It's pretty straightforward. So we are trying to take this model of the life of Jesus and how it was absolutely necessary for him to intervene on our behalf and we, we should apply that to the way that we approach our relationships with other people. So, in light of the example that was set by Jesus that we see in Scripture and the relationship that he made possible for us with God the Father, we should consistently be going before God on behalf of other people. I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, you should talk to God about your brother as much as you talk to your brother about God. And I, I was really convicted by hearing that because I, a lot of times I don't think that's, that's what I do. And I think it's incredibly important for us to, to recognize and be able to acknowledge that it is God through the Holy Spirit who can grow and who can change people, right? It's, it's not what we're doing. And I think when we see clearly that, that it's God's power that is changing people, when, when it's God through the Holy Spirit who does that work, I think it gives us a lot better perspective on prayer in general and praying for other people. So I need you to hear this today. If it is true that's the Holy Spirit and not us that has the ability to change people and change people's hearts, praying for each other is both the outworking of that belief 
and a way to reset ourselves on that reality over and over, such that we begin to believe it more and more. So I, I would say that's a simple enough command, right? Pray for other followers of Jesus. It's pretty straightforward. But I sometimes think that that, that idea is just so broad and, and so overarching that it can almost be unhelpful at a practical level of knowing what that actually looks like. So I wanted to give uh, at least four categories today of ways that we can pray for each other based on Scripture. Uh, so four, four different ways or different angles that we can take in our prayers for one another as followers of Jesus to, to live out this command. So the first way that, that I think we should be praying for other people according to Scripture, is praying for their growth and maturity. So praying for people's growth and maturity. So I think we see this really clearly in the book of Ephesians. We see it a couple times. But look with me at chapter 3, starting in verse 14. Um, I also realized today, disclaimer, uh, most of the passages I'm using are in the NIV, and all of our Bibles are ESV, so I apologize. Uh, if you have your own, that's great. You can follow along exactly as it is in this. Uh, but it will be up on the screen in the NIV for those who, who need that. So starting in verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So, right here, we see a really clear example of Paul writing to the followers of Jesus in Ephesus and telling them that he is actively going before God, lifting them up and asking God to, it says right here, strengthen them with power to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. So Paul is not taking a back seat to other followers of Jesus's growth and maturity. He does not sit back he does, not, uh, he does not sit there and, and just hope that they are relying on, he doesn't, he doesn't hope that they're going to rely or rest in the fact that, that he's talked to them once. He's not comfortable with that. He is not okay knowing that he has brought that up with them and he's just going to hope from now on that they're going to grow and they're going to mature and they're going to be okay. No, he, he doesn't just assume that they're going to be fine. From there on, it, it's the exact opposite of that in this, in this passage. I mean, he's in the middle of this entire letter to this church, a letter of instruction and, and a letter of encouragement to the Ephesian church on how they are supposed to be growing in maturity. But he stops, not just once, but, but twice, because this, this is actually just one of two prayers in the letter to the Ephesians. So he, he stops in this letter to pray that the Holy Spirit would make all of this effective. I think, I think that tells us even more about the importance of prayer. And, and you see it another time if you look just a, a few chapters earlier in Ephesians 1. This will be on the screen too. In, in verse 16 it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So in my opinion, the fact that Paul says he does not cease in his prayer for others and their growth and their understanding makes it pretty clear how important he feels like it is. Right? I don't know the last time that I thought there was something I needed to do without ceasing and simultaneously didn't think it was something that was all that important. Right? Just a quick, lighthearted example. Um, just something personal for you. I take showers every day. Right? I think that's pretty important. So I like to do that. So I believe it is important to shower. So I do. Also, because my wife believes if you touch the sheets without showering, you have to change them. And we don't have that many sheets. So it's a twofold benefit. But you see, I, I think it's important, right? I think it's something that I need to be doing, so I do it regularly. So I feel like, I feel like a lot of followers of Jesus look at their relationship with others and they want to see growth, right? They want to see maturity happening in other followers of Jesus. But a lot of people just end up getting bogged down and, and burdened because they're in the thick of it and, and they want to make it happen themselves. They want to cause other people to grow because of what they are doing. And I, I feel like a lot of you might be in that place where, where you so badly want to see someone take the next steps in, in their growth and, and in their spiritual maturity and you just feel just exhausted, right? You feel frustrated that it, that it seems like you just you can't quite get them there. You can't quite get them to that place where you want them to be. Or maybe... Maybe you feel like you've used up all of your words and all the ideas that you have, and they just don't seem to be getting there, right? So have you, have you ever been in a situation where you've had someone in your life group, and they, they were talking about something they were struggling with, right? And you, you responded by talking through it with them and, and giving them wisdom and truth that you feel like they need, and then you find yourself going, why aren't they changing, right? Why? What, what's going on? I gave them all the right information. They should be different now. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hand because chances are the person you're thinking about might be nearby and they probably don't need to see that. Uh, but have you ever felt something like that? I, I, know, I know I felt like that before, but I think that right there should be a really clear reminder to pray, right? To pray for that person's growth and maturity. Going before the Father on their behalf and, and praying that God would make those words effective, that God would take those words and he would make those, those things transformative through his power, that he, he would use those words to change that person. And I wonder sometimes if the reason that we find ourselves uh, so exhausted and frustrated in some of those situations is because we really haven't spent all that much time praying that God would make our words and encouragement effective in their lives. I mean, I, I think we see this scripture, this example in scripture, I'm sorry, of going straight to the source of wisdom, straight to the source of the power that, that causes growth and maturity and asking him on behalf of our brothers and sisters to work in them through the power of the Spirit. So the same Spirit 
that is responsible for changing the hearts of followers of Jesus and bringing us out of death and into life is the exact same spirit that, that we should be imploring to work and move in our brothers and sisters every day. So the next area that, that I see Scripture highlight the need to pray for others is for their confession of sin and their healing, or their confessed sin and healing. So I get this idea straight out of James, right, in chapter 5, uh, verse 16. It'll be up on the screen for you. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, so you, if you've been coming around at all, you probably heard us maybe once or twice mention this thing called life group uh, that we talk about all the time. Uh, so we, we talk about it a lot because we think it's an, an integral part of what we do as a church and, and where a lot of this growth can happen. So one of, one of the key pieces of what we hope to see within the context of life group is this idea of confession that we're talking about. So we've talked about it plenty of times, so I'm, I'm not going to dive too deep today into the idea of confession as a whole, but I do want to take a couple aspects of confession and, and how our prayers on behalf of other people play directly into it. So I think a lot of us often hope uh, that confession is just going to be a natural outflowing of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. Right? And many times it is, and, and, and that's a beautiful picture of the Spirit growing people to look more and more like Jesus every day, and I love that. And I've also seen, I've seen people do a great job in our life groups responding to people and responding to confession from other followers of Jesus with, with ideas from the gospel and, and with words of truth and encouragement. And listen, that is fantastic. I love that. I always love hearing people do that in life group and hearing stories of other people doing that in other life groups. I think that's so cool. But one thing I often wonder is if that's where it stops. Um, the reality is that's only half the picture, right? Confession is only half of what this verse is talking about. Gospel truth and words are great. But without the power of the Holy Spirit making it move and making it weave its way into people's hearts, it's not going to accomplish what it was meant to accomplish. You, you could say the most accurate, truthful statements about the gospel or, or the most accurate truth to someone that would fit directly into what they just confessed or what they are experiencing and what they are going through. But if we don't ask the Spirit to move and make it take root, there will not be the healing that we want to see. So our understanding and our knowledge of concepts is not going to be what changes anybody's hearts. It's not going to provide healing through just the words that we have to say. I, I've been in life group plenty of times and brought something up that I was struggling with and, and had someone beautifully remind me of the gospel, right? They, they reminded me of my identity found in Christ and then I left life group not feeling any different, right? I, that wasn't new information for me. I knew that going into life group. But I was not leaning on the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I, I was not asking the Spirit to help me. 
I was not taking it to the Lord, and I was not seeing change. And I, I think what a lot of people need to hear is this, this idea. Um, don't skip over the pray for one another part of this verse. Right? I think a lot of people, myself included, many, many times read this verse and functionally believe that it says, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. I could probably said that exact sentence several times. But that, that ignores almost half of that passage. Right? Confession is part one, absolutely. But prayer is part two. And I think sometimes in, in a culture that, that we live in that really values authenticity and, and honesty and just being true to, to who you are, what you're experiencing, people think that confession alone is what brings healing. Right? That once I'm honest, once I just get it off my chest, I'm good to go. Right? But this passage doesn't say that. It doesn't. It says confession plus prayer equals healing. It is only the transformative work of the Holy Spirit that is going to do that. The Spirit is what ignites change in people's hearts. It's not just confession that does that. The Spirit is what takes these words and these concepts and, and, and the understanding of Scripture that we have, and it saturates people with the healing power of God. And, and that's exactly what the author is getting at here in James. Now, he says to pray for each other so that you may be healed. He doesn't say, hey, just remind people of things they already know and just hope for the best. It's going to be all right. No, he doesn't say that. He's, we get to go before God the Father on behalf of our brothers and sisters, and we get to ask him to cover them in the healing power that he offers. Now, I, I think that connects directly to, to this next point. The, the third way I see the Bible prompting us to pray for other people is, is asking for wisdom to offer them or, or wisdom to offer each other. So like I said just a second ago, there, there are plenty of times in life group where, where we may have words to say to people that are, that are true and, and insightful and helpful and practical, but we need to pray and ask the Spirit to make those words take root and take on meaning and become transformative in a person. But there are also plenty of times in that exact same context when we have to go directly to the source of wisdom to even have words to say right? So this, this is a completely hypothetical situation. Uh, I, I don't want anyone to point any fingers or jump around or, or think about specific people that you may have in your mind. Again, this is hypothetical. Hypothetical. So imagine with me, right? You're sitting in life group. You're in somebody's living room or porch or wherever it is you sit for life group. Um, and somebody brings up something that they're dealing with, right? They, 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 they bring up this confession, right? They, they start pouring out the, the depths of their heart, and, and when they're finished just laying it all out there, the room just kind of goes silent for a second, and then they get hit with that classic line, huh, all right. Now, I, I know that's never happened in any of our life groups. I've, uh, I've heard that might happen in other churches. 
Never, never happened, uh, never happened here. And I, I know that's kind of ridiculous to say because we all know that happens, right? But just, just try to imagine that maybe, maybe no one even gets that out, right? No one even manages to get a single word and there's just total silence. And sometimes in the midst of that silence, when nobody knows what to say, sometimes do we just wing it? Right? Do we just try to hit somebody with an emotional band-aid or a spiritual band-aid and, and just you know, see what happens, throw it out there? Or, or do we pause? Do we, do we pray and do we ask the Holy Spirit in that moment to give us wisdom, to say something to them? Now remember, this is totally hypothetical. I know this has never happened to you, but it's definitely happened to me. Uh, but I, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 2 speaks directly into this idea. All right, so take a look with me on the screen. It starts in verse 12. It says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. So look at that phrase in, in verse 13. It says, not words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. So I don't know about you. Based on that verse, I really feel like words taught by the Spirit most likely come from the Spirit. It's just my astute powers of deduction that gives me that. But can, can anyone take a, take a gander at how you think most followers of Jesus get things from the Spirit? I'll give you a hint. It's kind of how we get other things that we don't have, right? We, we ask for it. Right? It sounds pretty straightforward when you say it like that, almost, almost to the point of sounding ridiculous. But I know for me personally, it, it does not happen all that naturally in the moment, a lot of the time. My, my tendency personally is I want to fix things for people, right? I want to save them, and my gut reaction is I, I want to swoop in, and I want to hit them with some, like, clutch advice that is just neatly packaged in this tweetable one-liner that they can, like, take home with them. I can pat myself on the back for it later, and then when I send them home with it. But no, that's, that's not what they need. The wisdom and the truth that they need does not originate with me. Sure, God can use me to deliver some of that wisdom to them, but it comes when we ask him to speak it through us. So we get to go to God in the moment, through the Spirit, and we get to ask it, what is it you have for them that I can say right now? And listen, God absolutely can and does work through us in that way a lot of the time when we ask. So the last way that, that I want to spend some time today talking about how the Bible prompts us to pray for other people is how we are to give thanksgiving for them. So you can look throughout the New Testament at many of Paul's letters. It, it's all the way throughout the entire, the entire collection of his books. And you can see over and over again how he opens his letters with some iteration of the phrase, 
I thank God for you. Right? One of the most obvious examples of that for me is in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So the entire book of 1 Thessalonians is essentially Paul saying, great job, guys, keep it up, right? But all of that is, is framed around this idea of Paul saying that he is thanking God and praising God for these people. So you can see it really clearly at the beginning in chapter 1, starting in verse 2. He says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul jumps straight into it. And, and what does he say he does to express thanksgiving for, for these people? Right? He said he continually mentions them in his prayers. So I want everybody to just take a second right now and, and think, think hard with me. Don't answer out loud, please. Um, don't raise your hand or anything like that. But I want you to think about the last time that you prayed specifically thanking God for a person out of a spirit of thanksgiving when that person was not around and did not know about it. And I don't mean you prayed for them because they said, hey, can you pray for me? And you were like, yeah, thank God for this, for my brother, so-and-so as a throwaway opening line to whatever you're praying about. I think we've all done that. I've done that. I know for sure. But I, I mean, when I think hard about that, I don't know about you guys, but that's pretty convicting for me. Uh, to the point when I was writing this, I thought, I don't know if I'd want to hear that. So don't know if I want to put that in there. Uh, but I, I felt like me feeling that meant that someone else could probably afford to hear it too. And I figured no use in just me feeling convicted, so yeah. <laughs> might as well share the love. So I say all of this to, to bring to light something that, that we can be doing to grow together as a family, right? I say it to remind you of the fact that what God is doing here in our church family is an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing to see. God, in, in so many ways, is knitting people together and knitting us together as a church family. I, I think some people in here have relationships with other people through, through life groups or, or through other areas in our church family that you probably didn't even know were possible a year ago or two years ago or, or even a few months ago, right? Some of us have, have close-knit relationships today that we had no idea could even exist, with people we never thought we could relate to. So I think it follows that periodically uh, we could be going to God with genuine gratitude for those relationships, those relationships that he, that he has given us through the work that he's doing. Plus, I mean, if you, if you don't think that thanking God regularly for other people is going to positively impact your relationship with those people, I don't know what to say. I, I think it's pretty clear where that goes. So, all that to say, we, we know that praying for other followers of Jesus is a central part of what makes us family, right? And what makes us grow together. And we know that it, it is something that Scripture prompts followers of Jesus to do. 
And we've spent some time this morning talking about four categorical ways of approaching that idea. So now, now what? Right? What do we do? What do we do with that right now? What do we do with that in a few days or, or in a week or in a few months? What does this look like in our day-to-day lives? What, what does it look like in real life, not just here on a Sunday or, or the one day a week that you're in life group? I want to take the last few minutes today to just try to give us some, some real, tangible examples of what this might look like, just to try to help give you some tools that you can start implementing. So if you've written nothing else down, or you just don't write stuff down, take really good mental notes on this part, or write it down. That'd be great. So the first thing that I think is a, is a helpful tool is set a reminder. Right? I don't know about you, People who know me will be able to attest to this. Um, If I want to start doing something regularly that I do not already do, I have to write it down, and it has to be a prominent reminder, or it will never happen. And even then, sometimes it still doesn't happen. But for me, it has got to be obvious, and it has to be consistent, and it has to be a reminder that I am going to see in order for it to be something that I do. So, So for you, it could look like setting up a recurring calendar reminder on your phone. Right, something that, that goes off and, and lets you know that this is a good time to pray for someone in your life group. Set it up based on your daily schedule. Right? A time that, that you know that you're not just immediately going to swipe it to the side because you've got too many things going on. Maybe for you, it, it looks like using part of your commute to work to pray specifically for someone. So maybe, maybe waiting just a few extra minutes before hitting play on that podcast so that you can thank God for someone in your life. So next, I think uh, another tool that could be helpful is keeping a log. So maybe the act of, of praying for somebody is already pretty accessible for you. That's something you feel like you're, you're pretty, pretty good at and you're consistent in, and that's awesome. I, I love that. But the challenge for you might be being consistent and persistent in your prayers. So maybe for you, you need to start using some kind of prayer log or some kind of journal, right? I I can give you a few people just right off the cuff that are in our church family right now that actively keep and update a spreadsheet of specific prayers that they have prayed for other people or for things to happen in our church family. And they consistently go back and they look at that spreadsheet and they update it. Either, either when there are updates about that prayer specifically, whether, whether it's continuing to ask God to move in that way, or just the opportunity to thank God for moving in the way that you've been asking, right? They, they are constantly going back to this, and it's been so helpful for them. I, I think that could be something that could be helpful for a lot of you. Um, so the next one is one that I tend to struggle with a lot. I think the next tool to use would just be uh, to do it immediately, right? It could, also, it could also look like for you just, just doing it right there in the moment. I have been in life group plenty of times or been talking with people before and, and just hanging out, and, and they said something, and I'll say something like, oh, I'll be praying for you, right? And to be totally honest, there have been plenty of times where I completely forgot that I said that, and I completely forgot to pray for them. Sure, there have been times where I have remembered, and I have done it, and that's, that's great, and I'm sure that's happened for a lot of you too, but, 
It happens more often than I'd like. So maybe instead of that, we can start trying to actually do it instead of just say it. Maybe instead of saying, hey, I'll pray for you this week, we can start saying, hey, can I pray for that right now? And, and then we do it. We actually pray for them right then. And I know some of you may be thinking, I don't know about that one. I usually have somewhere to be or conversation needs to move on, don't want to lose traction, any of that. But I feel sure 15 to 30 seconds out of that conversation to pray for them is going to be a lot more beneficial than just letting things roll on, right? I think those small, consistent actions are going to be what forms habits in us, right? So the, the last tool that I think is helpful is just write it down, right? Maybe praying for someone then and there legitimately just would not work, right? That it actually is not possible to pray for them in the moment. I, I understand that situation could present itself. So maybe you're in life group and it's just, it's just not the right time to jump in and pray for them right then. Let me suggest this. Take something with you to life group to write with and to write on. I think that seems, that seems pretty accessible, right? Maybe, maybe don't use your phone um, unless you have a lot more self-control than I do uh, because I'll probably just end up the steady, slow degradation to Instagram that happens whenever it's out. Uh, but if it works for you and you know you can do that and that's more accessible, go for it. But everybody is different in that front. But take something with you. Take something to write with and write on. And when somebody brings up something that they're struggling with, or somebody brings up something they could use prayer for, you write down specifically what they said. And then, at the end of life group, or maybe later that night or that week, you can take that out, and you can look at it, and you can actually pray specifically for them and what they were talking about. So, I'm going to ask the band to come back up as we, as we wrap up this morning. Um, so, I think... I mean, the reason that I want to give people examples and tools of, of how you can start doing this and why you should start doing this, it's because I think it's so incredibly important and vital to the life of followers of Jesus and to other people's growth. So this is, this is what it looks like for us to be family together, right? So as we close today, I just want to give some space to, to start doing this now. Right? A, lot of the, a lot of our sermons this series have, have looked different at the end of the way that we can respond, but I want to respond just practically with this today. So here's what we're going to do. To get really specific with this, um, we're going to start applying the four categories that we talked about, right? So if you would, with me, just... just uh, bow your head or close your eyes or however you feel most comfortable to, to be praying or in a posture of prayer. And I want everybody to, to just take a second to think through some of the people in your life group, some of the relationships that you might have with people. And, and pick somebody that you think might need you to pray for their growth or for their maturity just like it says in Ephesians 3. So I'm going to go through each of these categories, and I'm just going to give a little bit of space with each one to, to give you some time to do that.
next, I, w- I want you to try to think of someone who has talked to you about, about something that they're struggling with or something that they have confessed in life group. And, and take a, a few minutes right now or a few seconds right now to, to pray for the Holy Spirit's continued work in growing them and, and healing them in what they're experiencing. Or maybe if you're thinking, I don't, I don't really know that much uh, about what's going on in, in their lives because nobody, nobody really opens up. Nobody really talks about what they're struggling with or confesses anything. Take some time to pray that the Holy Spirit would move in people's hearts to cause that to happen. Now, try to think of, of someone or some instance that, that something has been brought up and you just have no idea how to respond. You have no idea what to say or how to say it. You just feel lost or, or as if whatever it is that you do have to say just won't, won't help. Take it, take it to the Father just like it says in 1 Corinthians 2, and and ask him for wisdom and for spirit-taught words, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through you directly into what what they are experiencing and, and what they're talking about. And lastly, right now, maybe you just need to go before the Father in thanksgiving, right? To, to just thank God for the work that He is doing in, in those people or in you through the work of the Spirit and the relationship that the Spirit helps form. Dear God, we just come before you so thankful for for what you accomplished on the cross through your son to make a way um, 
for us to be family with other people because of what you accomplished. And we thank you for, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us, um, that, that power that is able to bring us from death to life is also there for us through prayer to, to be able to see change in other people. God, I pray that we are reminded that, that it is not us that changes people, that it is not our words or our efforts or our abilities any more than it was our efforts that saved us. Um, but that we would remember that it is your transformative power that we, can, that we can call on, that we can beg to move and to work and continue to work. Um, that we would be able to, to pray for, for the growth and maturity of our brothers and sisters, for, for their confessed sin and their healing and, and for wisdom to offer them through the Spirit and, and to give thanks to you for what you are doing and, and the relationships that you form and the people that you bring into our lives. I pray that we continue to, to grow together as a church family in doing that, as we continue to grow as a family because of you and because of what you've accomplished on our behalf. And we thank you in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. As many of you guys know, we are in the process of renovating and moving into a historic church building located on the Tennessee River right in the heart of Knoxville. If you regularly benefit from this podcast, we would love to extend the invite to you to consider giving to those renovations. If you're interested in finding out more, head to citychurchknox.com slash building.